I have no creative imagination in me in, in dealing with with flower arrangements or clothes. And you know, you may say, "Well, Patsy, you look nice." Well, Sarlene, and because it, it's not like I, you know, she don't tell me what to wear. She'll just say, "Oh, you're wearing that. That means no, you change." Oh, no. So, so I have no. But I see things. And 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 as I was praying, I saw people who were sitting in their homes, reflecting upon that service, reflecting on the sorrow of what they're experiencing through the death of this 27-year-old. And remembering the words the Holy Spirit's bringing back to them. Agree, continue to agree with me that there would be healing in those lives, restoration. Well, we're, we're on our fourth message in this series, Rise Up. And in my creative thinking, again, the title of this message is Rise Up Part Four. You know? But if I would, if, if I would give it a little more thought and I would have probably said, rise up the power of interruptions. How many of you like interruptions? No one does. And, and, and through this message, you're going to hear something about what God does in it. So knowing that you're hungry for the word because you're here. And, and here, here's the thing that, that, that is, is encouraging too is, is that I even have a gentleman who came this morning, he came in the middle of the message, and instead of going home, he stayed for the second service here. Thank you, sir, for, for that persistence. Before the service this morning, first service, uh, we had people in their pews praying, leaning on praying already before anything started. So, so th this service has been prayed over. God's word is always anointed because it's God's word. So let's get into this and mark the fifth chapter, verse 21. When Jesus had, again, crossed over um, by boat to another side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of these synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. I'm telling you something, for a synagogue roller to fall at the feet of, to a, of a commoner, because that's what they thought of Jesus, he was this carpenter's son. This common man, and he fell at his feet because he's heard the stories. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. You know, desperate times deals with desperate action. Uh, sadly, sometimes our pride gets in the way and we won't do something because we, we feel too proud to do it. This, this synagogue ruler didn't make any difference about his position in life what people would think. His daughter was dying, sick unto death. He heard about the stories of, of this, this man named Jesus and people being healed. 
So he, he just, he decided he heard he was going to be in a town. He went to him and he fell at his feet. You know, sometimes we hesitate to do things thinking that it's, it's, we're too dignified to do it. The son of the living God, Jesus, washed the feet of his disciples because there was not a servant there to do that. And he did it as an example, not only to get, you know, say, oh, look at me, pat me on the back. He did it as an example to serve. And he was willing to serve by washing their feet. And knowing that there's times that we have these interruptions that come in our lives. I remember when Arlene and I were, were in San Francisco for, I don't recall what reason at that moment. But any of you who've been in San Francisco, it's crazy. Those streets, I don't know who designed them. And, uh, and, and then the hills, well, there was some kind of delay or roadblock or something in front of us, my GPS or whatever that is called, and my car took me another route. I'm telling you, it was taking me through alleys. I don't know where it was taking me. Then I went to the top of this hill, and, and I said, there surely can't be a road because it went almost straight down, houses beside us. It was crazy trying and, and trying to get to where we wanted and had this interruption to get there. Times we get frustrated when those interruptions happen within our lives. I had a missionary, a young missionary lady, and she, she's, I don't know, she's getting ready to go back to China. She, she had some disruptions to get there. And, and from this young woman, she's probably 20-something, not on the field very long, and she made a profound statement in her newsletter that she sent out. She said that God is in the details. She didn't understand why all the delays, everything that was happening, especially with the pandemic and everything, is why she wasn't able to get back on the field as quickly as she desired. But God is in the delays. When Jairus wanted Jesus to get to his daughter, but there was a interruption. God's details, not Jairus's. Go to verse 26 with me. So Jesus went with him. A, long, a large crowd followed and, and pressed around him because they probably heard that, that, that Jairus say, my daughter's sick unto death. Please come and put your hands upon her that she may be healed. They go, oh, wow, showtime. You know, Jesus is going to do one of his things again. And this crowd's coming around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to, to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. I can't imagine for 12 years suffering this way. And, and it's not like the doctors at that time were, were you know, um, horrible, but there surely weren't doctors of, of science that we have today. And this poor woman suffered with his bleeding for 12 
years. And, and knowing that this was a menstrual thing for her, is, is, it was unclean for her, but also it was religiously looked at as unclean. So now because of that, not only did she was embarrassed, humiliated, and miserable for 12 years and spending everything she had and not just staying the same, but getting worse, she would be rejected by society. No wonder that she did what she did. She realized that she had to do something, and she heard about this man, Jesus. Go with me for verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, can, can I say something just that? When she heard about Jesus, when she heard about Jesus. How did she hear about that? People have to talk. People had to share their stories. When, when, when someone is at work and, and then they, and they say, oh, someone came up to me and they didn't even know that I was a Christian. I'm thinking, why not? I mean, Weren't you living the life or at least sharing something about it? And, and I know that, that some of you are on your phones and, you're, and you are, you're taking notes and stuff and other you are on your Facebook. And, and, and if you are, if you like something that I said, as I say again and again, post it and post it now because you're going to go back and read it. And you're going to want to see if you got any likes on it. Because she heard, someone posted something, someone said something, and she heard about Jesus. She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I would just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Before this, there was no one, no stories about people being healed by touching the cloak of Jesus. And immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was free from her suffering. What a remarkable faith. She thought, if I would just touch him. It's like the encounter between Jesus and the centurion. He told Jesus, the centurion, this military man, because he knew and understood orders. He says, I have a servant who needs to be touched. And, and he didn't say, come. He says, you just need to speak it, and he would be healed. Wow, Jesus was moved by the faith of this centurion. I, I think this, this woman, she, she just had that kind of faith, is that if I would only touch the hem of his garment, and some parts of scriptures talk about it's the hem of his garment. Was it the hem because she was, was crouched down and humbled? She didn't want, want anyone to touch her or, or what? And, and he come walking by? Or that she came up behind him, not walking, but crawling through the crowd, and she touched his hem of his garment. 
Have you ever been in a, in, in a situation, something like that, that you felt something happen? This woman felt something happen soon as she touched him. She felt that healing. Some people say when they sense the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives, there is that warming sensation. Others experience an absolute awe, a wonder. Other people begin to break into tears. People would sometimes just want to fall to their knees. You can't deny it, but you can't help but be affected by it. This woman felt the sensation of power experience releasing her of 12 years of suffering. She was free. What joy. What elation. She must have been just floating on a cloud. I, I, I think, I don't know if she could even shout and say hallelujah. I think she was speechless. However, in this case, she did not, she did her best to contain herself, but it would not be. She was about to become exposed to the people. Let's get a little bit deeper into this interrupting touch, because remember, here's Jairus, his daughter is sick unto death. Here comes this woman pushing her way or crawling her way between the crowd. She touches Jesus. And everything stops. Now, if I was Jairus, and my daughter's sick unto death, and I had the person, Jesus, who would be able to bring healing into her body, I would be holding the hand of Jesus, pulling him, and pushing everybody away. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. I got to get this man to my daughter. Get out of the way. And he stopped. Listen to this, verse 30. At once Jesus realized that the power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? <laughs> I mean, didn't say who touched, who touched my clothes? Listen to this, disciples. You see the people crawling against you, his disciples answered. And yet you, you could ask, who touched me? Are you out of your mind? Everybody's touching you. Everybody's bumping into you. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what has happened to her, she came to the feet, uh, uh, came and fell at his feet, and trembling in fear, told him the whole truth. And then he said to her daughter, "Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering." Uh, why, why would he expose her this way? To reveal. Publicly, all of a sudden, what happened? Who did this? She, she had to be trembling because of all of her emotions. Here's her emotions now. Jesus had this woman who was re, uh, physically unclean and religiously unclean, and she touched Jesus, which was a no-no. And so now she's filled with joy for the healing 
She's filled with fear because she felt that she was going to be disciplined. She's excited about the freedom of her future. She's confused about everything that is happening. There's that freedom to live her life. There's that embarrassment all colliding together at that one moment. Talk about a perfect storm. She most likely thought that she was out of line. And here's what Jesus does. He looks at her. He didn't say, woman, you, you there? He said, daughter. <laughs> the intimacy of that relationship. My child. Go in peace. Because people must have been thinking, you shouldn't have done that. I was a no-no. You were out of order. In, in Jairus, I, I don't think he was just standing still looking at this. I, I think maybe internally or verbally, he would have been, because I would have been, I would have been saying, shut up, woman. I got to get this man somewhere. I don't want him to stop. My daughter is dying, and he is her only hope. But he stood there and watched this play out. What incredible faith she had. James 2.17 says, faith without actions or faith without works is dead. I've said this before, but I've got to repeat it again. Because I, I want you to know that, that when, when you make a commitment to Christ, it, it is not like, like, like you got this, this, this great gift is given to you and that you're going to put it nice in a nice spot and it's going to sit there and you're going to look at that and it says that was a nice moment. But it never do anything with it. You're all going to wipe your lips and go, man, am I thirsty? Faith without works. Someone was doing that works when she heard. Is dead faith. That means there is no faith. You're fooling yourself. If you think that you could go live your life as you once did it, and there's no change to come in your life, you are fooling yourself. But it's not like, oh, i got to do this work. It's because that, that encounter, that freedom, that marvelous wonder and awe, that experience of God's grace and mercy, you're saying, I want to. This is incredible. I can't hold this back. i got to share this with someone. And she heard. Does our faith cost cause us to reach out and act? Are we willing to take risk? Are we willing to tell someone, even with the fear of maybe rejection on it? This woman experienced Christ's power when she acted out upon her faith. Now, here where it works is that 
when I hear something and respond to it. I, I want to go to verse 35. Verse 35 says, while Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue's ruler. Your daughter is dead. They said, and then why bother the teacher any more? Put yourself in Jairus' shoes. Can you imagine the frustration, the sorrow, the brokenness? You can't keep moving. What's the purpose? Because now he got this news is saying, why bother? Do you ever feel that way? Why bother to pray? It's not working. Why bother to seek God? I'm not seeing any direction. Why bother to believe anymore? Because nothing is happening. Perhaps you prayed for something for a while, and it hasn't happened, and you come to that conclusion. Why bother? You, you come to a moment when you had all this faith, and everything begins to crumble, and thinking, I'm tired. I'm wore out. It's not even saying the same. It's getting worse. You're saying, why bother? Jairus had to ask Jesus to heal his daughter, and things turn worse. Don't bother him, Jairus, anymore. It's not going to get any better. I understand his emotions, don't you? We could get to a place where our body... It's just not cooperating. Our strength to keep going is gone. Our spirit is just wore out. So what do we do? Last week when I told you about when Jesus met that young man at that insignificant town from this insignificant mother, to this insignificant boy because we knew none of their names. Jesus spoke. Get up. See, Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray continuously. He, in essence, what, what, what he's saying, church, don't give up. Luke, Luke 18 one, Jesus is talking about this widow's persistence. Then Jesus told the disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Romans 12, 12 says, be joyful in hope. Oh, I could do that. Then they, then they add to it, patient in affliction. Oh, boy. I'm not good at that. But faithful in prayer. So let's go to verse 36. Ignoring what they said, because <laughs> Jesus heard this, and he probably saw life drain out of Jairus. 
He probably saw this poor father. He may have even seen, look at that woman. If you wouldn't have delayed him, my daughter would have been healed. But compassionately, ignoring them, I, I, I kind of think he almost leaned in. And Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid. Look that up in, in, in Google and, and ask, ask Google, how many times does it say in the Bible, don't be afraid? You'll get again and again and again. Then he adds to that. Just believe. Don't be afraid to believe. Don't be afraid to trust in him. Now, as I said, Jairus had to look with brokenness and sadness, with hopelessness, even dejection. But here's, here's what's amazing. The very things that, that Jairus may have been so upset with, this interruption that, that he, he experienced because of this woman, who felt the need to just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, and she was healed. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus would not have been able to get there in time, because, I mean, that surely that encounter didn't take that much time. And maybe what Jairus needed to see is the power of an almighty God that even the hem of his clothing, because it was on him, it absolutely, I'm losing it. She was touched and she was healed. God did the miraculous. Then he came to realize maybe this interruption was the details of Jesus and he wasn't privy of it. I'm wondering if he could do that, what else can he do? Now, I love it when a storyline seems to be one thing, but the unseen truth is about to be revealed. I'm thinking, I didn't see that coming. Verse 37. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, and the brother Jesus. They went a crowd. And when they came to the home, probably they didn't want to go there anyhow, because who wants to go to be at the house of a dead child? And we went to the home of the synagogue ruler. Jesus saw the commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. Yesterday, I experienced that. That 27-year-old, there was family members. There was crying. They were wailing and brokenness. And he went and he said, why all this commotion and wailing? This child is not dead but asleep. And, and when they, people heard that, but they laughed. 
It was an idea. What are you talking about? She's dead. They laughed at him. And after he put them all out, <laughs> he goes, I'm done with this group. Go home. And they left. And he took the child's father and her mother and the disciples who were with him, and they went in where the child was. The child was not dead, but asleep. Why would he use those terms? Because you see, the term dead is so final. The term sleep isn't. Just, but, but yet, how could he say that? He's confusing the people. Even, even the disciples were confused about Lazarus. When he says he's not dead, he's asleep. Listen to this in John 11, verses 14 and 15. And after he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he's asleep, he will get better. Why go? He's not dead. He's just asleep. Somebody's going to wake him up. But Jesus had been speaking of his death. But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. I'm going to ask you something. Is sometimes... And our situations and our delays and our interruptions in our life, it seems like our hope is dead. It feels like the circumstance is gone. Why bother? The delays has taken its toll. But God is speaking into Jairus' life, and I believe as God is speaking into our lives as well. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be caught up in fear. Don't allow the circumstances and the voices and everything around us be telling us that how horrible, terrible loss everything is. After the evening news, I want to fall on my knees and pray that God would cleanse my mind from everything I heard. Then he says, just believe. He, he, he didn't ask me to do anything. He's not asking me to do what is impossible. He's saying, just believe, just trust in me. It is a choice. It is a matter of my own mental gymnastics that by the Holy Spirit prompting me and saying, just believe, I can just say, I do. Because he says, don't believe in the circumstances because they're not good. Don't believe in the lies of Satan because he's the father of lies, then he's definitely not good. He's always telling you to quit. What God's word is saying is, don't be afraid, just believe because he is good. Who believes in the details of God? You know, I do. It's that small stuff that I don't even see coming. Now, you know, come with me to verse 41 now. He took her by the hand and said to her, Tabitha, Kuan, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. <laughs> Where did you hear that before? Remember when Jesus was in the small town, insignificant town, with the insignificant mother, with the insignificant guys, comes up to that coffin, and he said, young man, get up. 
and he rose. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. And as this, she was complete, they were completely astonished. I, I wonder <laughs> if it's, you know, 12-year-old kids. She got up and, oh, and she goes, crack, 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 you know, stretching. <sighs> Looked around, walked around. They were completely astonished, and he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to go give her something to eat. Why would he tell them? Why, why, why would he want to embarrass this woman who had 12 years of this affliction in her life to expose her, but yet the miracle of this 12-year-old being risen from the dead, and he says, be quiet about it. Maybe maybe he just didn't want that whole group that laughed at him and said, I don't want them to be a part of the celebration. Or more, more importantly, is that I believe that the problem is that he didn't want people to know because when the higher authorities start hearing about the miracles of Jesus, we know that they were already wanting to do something about him, to quiet him, and he didn't want things to be sped up quickly because, well, he had some work to do and didn't want that crucifixion to come too quick. Whatever it was, he told them to be quiet about it. <laughs> I don't think they probably were. But here's, here's what I want you to hear this morning. What delays are you experiencing today? What interruptions? We've had enough of them in 2020 and even in 2021 already. Enough interruptions going on in our lives to last a lifetime. But yet God is speaking into our lives and he's saying, don't be afraid. He's telling us, as he told that young boy in that coffin and his young girl in that bedroom, is saying, get up to rise up. Then, then he goes and says, I want you to feed this child because she's hungry. I want us to understand is that uh, how hungry are we? For the promises of God's word, Matthew 4, 4 says, Jesus answered and is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. People around us are saying, why bother? God's word says, just believe. The Bible tells us that God breathed into man and he became a living being in Genesis, the second chapter. He tells us in 2 Timothy 3.26 that the scripture is God-breathed. That means every time you read the word, every time that you sit in a service and you hear the word being proclaimed, it is the breath of God being breathed into you. That's why you can come to church kind of distraught, kind of wore out, kind of tired, ready to give up. And you hear that word of God and you march out of here with a skip in your walk because it is God's word breathing into you because his word is yea and amen. 
And Proverbs 4.22 says, life to those who find them and health to all of their flesh is that word of God. So family of God, rise up, get up. What kind of interruptions are you experiencing? Are you feeling tired, wore out, wanting to quit? And maybe out of that weariness, you're just hearing my bother. But open his word. And his word says, don't be afraid. Just believe. 